Hello, and welcome to The Bite, Hope Brooklyn's weekly podcast for bite-sized spiritual thoughts to inspire you as you center your life around God's great story. Thanks so much for listening. Our passage today comes from Matthew 13, 47 to 50. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In this passage, Jesus shares another parable about the kingdom of God. This time, he associates the kingdom of God to a fishing analogy. Fishing during this time was not simply a hobby to enjoy, but most likely resonated with those who did this for a profession and living. It's also important to recognize that this parable is the third one in a series that he is exclusively speaking and teaching to his disciples. In verse 36, prior to this passage, it says that Jesus left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him. The analogy of being a fisherman for the kingdom of God was already familiar to his disciples. In Matthew 4, 18-19, Jesus calls to two men, Peter and his brother Andrew, as they are casting their net into the sea. Jesus prompts them with the call to follow after him because he will teach them to become fishers of men. The urgency to become fishers of men was a metaphor to partner with Jesus in his attempt to share the good news of salvation and new life that can be found by entering into a relationship with God. It will be important for us later to recognize that Jesus' mission was to invite people into redemption and salvation, rather than seeking people to punish and condemn. However, we also see in Luke 19.10 that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Returning to the parable of the net, which is what this passage in Matthew is often referred to, the net that is referenced here is a dragnet. I have little to no experience fishing. However, it is said that this wide net would flow behind a boat and catch anything and everything it would come into contact with as it went toward the shore. Whether the fish was of good quality or bad, the net did not discriminate. Culturally, fish with no scales or fins were considered bad and tossed. This illustration is intended to help us understand what will happen when God ultimately reconciles the good and the bad. It has already been mentioned in previous parables through Matthew, but we see it again in this passage. This time, like the fishermen sorting through the good and the bad fish they catch, the angels who are sent by Jesus will discern the righteous people from the evil ones. Although we may sense that the word evil is harsh in its description of certain people and parts of humanity, we cannot allow that thought to lead us to ignore two truths. The first being, evil is evident in every human being. We cannot attach the word evil only to individuals or groups of people that commit atrocities that seem immorally out of bounds to our worldview. The concept of good and evil is extremely subjective to personal experiences, lessons of life, and the injustices we encounter. For example, at what point does lying become a deceitful and manipulating act? Is it when we lie about borrowing something and then forget to return it? Or is it when we portray false images of ourselves on social media? Or is it when we falsely report taxes? Each person will have their own experience and their own threshold for what is considered evil. As much as we would like to believe that we have matured into a morally good person, we will always struggle with variations of evil in our hearts. We will always face the evils of greed, deceit, 
anger, selfishness, jealousy, and corruption in our hearts. The final caveat would be that there are some individuals who do not even consider those characteristics as evil, which provides the claim that what is considered good and evil is subjective. Secondly, in this parable, we can recognize that evil will be with us until the last day. It is only the last days when the angels discern the evil and righteous that there will be a separation between the two. Despite all of our efforts to expunge evil and brokenness in the world during our lifetime, it will be a constant battle, a game of whack-a-mole. That is not to say we should give up and do nothing. Rather, it is a reminder that we will not find the final stages of peace, joy, safety, and harmony on earth. It is only the kingdom of God where the tension of brokenness and peace will cease. There we will experience the everlasting reward of harmony. Until then, those who have been awakened to justice and peace will need to constantly be fighting the good fight. As important as it is to recognize the context of evil in this passage, it is also worth it to note that Matthew doesn't identify the two as evil and good. He uses the term righteous instead of good. As mentioned, there is no such thing as good, although we can produce good because we have experienced the good nature of God through kindness, generosity, peace, joy, safety, and love. In the end, it is not our morally good efforts that will invite us into the kingdom of God, but rather it is because all of our evil deeds, thoughts, and influences have been canceled out by Jesus. It all comes through faith in Jesus Christ as the Redeemer and Reconciler. When we face a judgment, it is not our integrity, charity, or good deeds that accredit our invitation to the kingdom of God, but it's because Jesus, who had no sin, became sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. In the illustration of the fishermen, the men and women are doing the sorting. They are the ones determining what is good and bad. However, through this parable, Jesus is reminding His disciples that they are not the ones who will be doing the sorting when it comes to eternity. The disciples are simply called to tell others of the good news that Jesus has come to provide the grace that is necessary for our evil hearts to be called new and righteous. I have oftentimes encountered Christians and preachers who make claims as to whether someone is going to hell or not. I have been told that my good deeds are not good enough and that I will need to work harder towards my goal of achieving righteousness. I have witnessed the judgment of God used as a fear tactic in attempts to transform people and their hearts. Unfortunately, this will never be an effective way to help others see God as beautiful, wonderful, and gracious. It is not the job of believers to tell someone if they are going to hell or not. We are only entrusted to help others see the beauty of Jesus' death and sacrifice as a work of reconciling all broken things. Evil hearts telling other hearts that they are judged because of their wickedness is the blind leading the blind. Only Jesus is worthy to decide who is righteous and who is evil because he lived a life without sin and he was God who came to earth to place his life as a substitution for our debts. Finally, this parable ends with a fiery furnace and the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It doesn't seem to be the most uplifting portion of this passage. However, if we ignore the realities of hell, it will ultimately diminish the love and justice of God. For a long time, I struggled with reconciling the judgment of hell and God being a loving father. I would ask myself, if God is an all-forgiving and loving being, why can't everyone go to heaven? How could God allow good people to go to hell? Why would God create a place like hell? Although I will not be able to fully unpack the complexity of hell and God during this time, I do want to share a question that helped me to fully understand God's heart 
and compassion with the existence of hell. As I attempted to peel back the layers of these questions, I stumbled upon this thought. How should God reconcile the existence of evil in humanity? It's easy to believe that God is unfair and unjust because a place like hell exists. However, God's character would be severely corrupt if it didn't. If God is a God that allows evil to go unpunished and unreconciled, it would mean he is not a God of justice. The best example I can illustrate is today's justice system. Although it's not perfect, it can help us to grasp the concept of a good and bad judge. If a judge allowed a murderer to be set free, despite the evidence of guilt that pointed towards him or her, would that judge be considered a fair judge? Now imagine if the judge would do this not once, not twice, but multiple times. The integrity of the judge's character would be challenged. Where would the justice for the victim's family and friends be? Someone would need to pay the penalty for this individual's crimes, or the judge will never be a fair and just judge. In the case of God the judge and us the perpetrator, God granted his son as the price for our crimes. It is Jesus who served time and paid the penalty for all of our misdeeds and evil intents. It is in Jesus that God the judge was able to be loving, merciful, and just all at once. You see, the second question we need to conceptualize is what are we being saved from? If we look at the sacrifice of Jesus and cannot recognize the depth of his grace, it's not simply because we hate the idea of Jesus, but it's because we don't realize the amount of debt that was paid. Ignoring the existence of hell will first diminish God as a just judge, but it will also cheapen the grace that was given to us by Jesus. Sin and hell was such a tragic thing to God, the Father, that he was willing to pay the price of his one and only Son so that humanity could inherit the kingdom of God. God understood that our hearts could not and could never be renewed, reconciled, and healed through the fear tactics of hell. His redemptive plan was not to continually horrify us with the dangers of hell and hope that we would obey and fall in love with him. Fear never results in pure love. God didn't use the punishment of broken covenants with him and his people throughout history as a tool to bring about his kingdom. Instead, Jesus became the ultimate covenant for God and humanity and he delivered that through his love, sacrifice, and relentless compassion. The gospel, which does include the day of judgment, is ultimately not about how good, righteous, or evil we are. Ultimately, none of those factors will result in our salvation when we are face to face with God our Creator. What will matter is our faith in Jesus. Do we believe that Jesus is enough for our deepest sins and most wicked moments to be redeemed and made good? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Help us to see your grace and mercy, even through the questions that challenge our hearts. Although things may not make sense at times, and even just the idea of hell can make us feel uncomfortable, help us to see your mercy, your justice, and your grace. Help us to see that you are the one that makes us whole, and that our hearts, no matter how far it can be, that is through your son, Jesus, that you become near to us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of The Bite. To find out more about the mission and ministry of Hope Brooklyn and to subscribe to our other podcasts and lots more, visit us online at www.hopebrooklyn.org.